Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. There's a great Christian song that Harvest Church does called the road to nowhere they're traveling the roads of life they don't have god it's a road to nowhere every road king solomon said that he went down money success business corporate success sex fame education buildings homes every single road solomon went down he said it was a dead end there's no life in a dead end there are billions of people in the world who've never even heard of Jesus. Billions more who have heard, but who've just blown him off. These numbers can feel overwhelming and make you think that there's nothing you can do to change them, but that's not true. Pastor Mark will be teaching today about Jesus' great commission, his command to go and make disciples of the whole world. You'll find out what a disciple actually is and what characteristics are part of a disciple's lifestyle. You'll also find out that the whole making disciples thing isn't as hard as you might think it is. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. He'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in Matthew chapter 28 as he continues his message, A Real Convert Becomes a Real Disciple. Let me show you what happens in our churches today, especially in America and Europe that's already dead. It's already happened. Take a look at this. Look what happens to the cycle. It breaks. We win the converts, and we don't disciple them. Now, granted, some of those people won't want to be discipled. They wanted what? Fire insurance. And when you say to them, okay, you're going to have to study the Bible, say what? And uh, you're going to need to be in church, and we're going to pray for you. And by the way, uh, we give to God. Say, what, what? I'm out of here. I can't help those people. But those that want to come, if we fail them, we break the chain. There's no discipling. Paul was writing that church in Corinth because really, when he walked into the church at Corinth... When he opened the doors, think about this. When Paul opened the doors of the church at Corinth, what did he see? A nursery. 10,000 baby Christians. I don't like the music. Pastor Balmer teaches too long. He's short. Whatever you want to use. He had a look at a nursery. Now, here's the hard thing for me. This was known as the spirit-filled church. There was a lot of emotion, but there wasn't much substance. Now, his whole goal in Corinth was to correct them as well, lovingly. So when we break that, not only do we hurt the local people, so these babies never get discipled, but what else? 
There's no sending. We don't go into all the... We have nobody to send. That's what happened in Europe. There's no Christians hardly. So there's nobody to go to witness. And we have to understand... Listen to this statement. I read it this week and it just resonated with me. There is no doubt that America is over-evangelized but under-discipled. Woo, that's a keeper. We're over-evangelized but under-discipled. There's no doubt to me that our churches are filled with believers. Many of them have never become real growing disciples. And that means when these new people come, it's left to these small minority. We can't have that. We're here to change that. And I think God's going to help us. I have hope. If you're a believer, a disciple, if you're a pastor, an elder, stop and listen to me. I'm speaking to myself. I believe God's spirit is moving in a fresh way in our campuses. I believe the Harvest American Crusade... It opened our eyes. I watched it from Israel. I watched those people at 4 a.m. in the morning coming down. And if you can watch those four or 5,000 people coming down there, weeping and crying, and it doesn't move you emotionally, get on your knees and get right with God. When I saw that, and when you saw that, I think God has begun to speak to us. So we're going to learn over the next few weeks what a real disciple is, how to get you, all of us, involved and how to take us farther than we've been. They said, well, Pastor Mark, why are you encouraged? Well, I'm encouraged for lots of reasons. Before the Harvest Crusade, God said to me when I was studying, do Mark chapter 4. Okay? When you have the word disciple in your teaching, because hmm, it comes from the word discipline. But this isn't my teaching. This is Jesus' teaching. And it's good for us. It's healthy for us. Another reason I'm very excited is because I want you to see somebody took notes. These are notes. Look how good this individual is. It's important that we listen with receptive hearts. This individual is writing down all those keys I taught. The person is writing knows that they'll remember more if they're writing. And so they write this amazing thing. All these points. They talk about the hard heart. They talk about the lifestyle not being there. Beginning Christ is going to cost you. They wrote all that down. Isn't that good? Don't you like that? Wouldn't you like you to have taken those notes? Let me tell you where those notes are from. A nine-year-old at the Melbourne campus. Hello! The minute I saw that, here's a verse that came to me. And a child shall lead them. Some of you are today, no child's going to lead me. Hard heart. That's not me, that's you. I would never take any notes. Really? Then why are you here? And a child shall lead them. That's why I'm excited. Because there's a stirring in these last days for God to speak to us. And let's get intentional and real about making simple disciples. Now, how does discipleship work? A few months ago, Linda and I had an opportunity to go to Taipei. And James Hudson Taylor IV, as you know, missionary to China, his great-great-grandfather started Christianity in China. Well, 
Lynn and I went, and I was get the privilege of speaking at the church he goes to. He's rarely there because he's all over the world in missions. But it was a Presbyterian church with 3,000 people. It was exciting. So he did all my interpreting. I taught all the lessons. On Saturday, we did this whole teaching thing. It was exciting. When we got to the airport, Lynn and I had never been to Taipei. I've been all over China. I've been all over all the Asian countries all over the world over there. But never really been to Taipei. But I had my trip advisor with me. You know, the one that rates restaurants and hotels and all that kind of stuff. You don't need a a travel guide anymore. You got one. So we land. And at the airport, Jamie shows up with the pastor of the church to take us to the hotel. That was good. When we got to the hotel, he says, take your bag and just unpack it. So we're unpacking. He says, here's what's going to happen. For the next few days, I've got you plugged in. You're going to be teaching all these places. And then he says, some evenings I'm going to be with you. And other times you're going to have to be on your own because I'm doing my thing. But I'm going to tell you. And so we started asking the questions. Okay, when we're around the hotel, is it safe to go out at night? When we're around the hotel, where can we go to eat if you're not going to be here? When we're around the hotel, is there a thing to see? What about the subway? How do you run the subway? How do you do all these things in the life? So that evening he comes and he says, I'm going to take you out the very first night with my family who live in Taipei. I'm going to take you out to dinner. So he took us. He walked a few blocks. And we walked into this restaurant. They didn't speak English. We don't speak their language. I wouldn't have known what to order. I had no clue what to do. We would have never found that restaurant on TripAdvisor, I guarantee you. (laughs) But it was fantastic. And it was reasonable. And it was wonderful. And he ordered stuff that he knew we would like. You see, when you go to Taipei, one of the things they love is stinky tofu. It's black. I'm getting sick right now thinking about it. He knew we wouldn't like that. We did get a little visit to a market that had it, and we just typically walk right on by, baby. They're eating that sucker, and I'm going, forget it. But we had a great dinner. The next morning, he comes back, and he says, I'm going to show you a breakfast place. We'd have never found this breakfast place. They took this sandwich, they made this bread, then they put it in this kind of like a kiln and baked it, and it was just absolutely fantastic. We had that big sandwich. It's about 54 Weight Watcher points, probably 54 at least. (laughs) I just gave that in case some of you are working your points. That kills the whole week's extras in case you didn't know. And then we had a big glass of cold soy milk. It was fantastic. And then the next day he came back and he says, well, let me take you to a couple places. So he took us, we got our suitcases, and we just traveled to this amazing historical place. We saw the changing of the guard, and it was a history of Taiwan, how they broke from China. And then a few nights, he couldn't be with us, but we'd already asked him questions. And we walked out here and went to this restaurant here and found something to do here. And they had an English menu. And I went, praise you, Jesus. And we ordered something there. And we just had a fun time. What was Jamie doing with us those four or five days? He was discipling us. It's not complicated. We were new at this. We didn't know what to do. He lived there. He knew it all. Not only did he instruct us, but quite often, he walked with us. Jesus had his disciples for three and a half years. 
What did he do? He taught them. He walked with them. He corrected them lovingly because it was good for them. He encouraged them. When he sent the 70 out, they knew what to do because he told them what to do. That's discipling. It's teaching people, and it's not only teaching people, it's being around them. You see, these new Christians that just came here at this campus a few weeks ago, they've started a new road. They're clueless. They have a great roadmap, but they wouldn't know how to use it if you paid them a million dollars. So what are we to do? We're to be around them. We're to teach them. We're to be there and show them the things that they need to know. And then we're going to care for them because they're babies. I'm going to give you some questions, not for you to answer, just typical questions a new believer would ask. You don't need to write them down. I'm just going to spew them at you fast. And here's what I want you to think about here. Could you answer these questions? What if we arrived in Taipei and Jamie comes up to us and said, man, I'm glad you're here. I just arrived too. I've never been here before. I actually live in China. Oh, I thought you lived at Pipe. No, no, no. We live in China. So I've never been here before either. In fact, I just got here in the flight before you. Let's see what we can do in the city. Am I going to follow him? No. He knows nothing about it. That's what Paul was trying to say. The new believers were there and nobody knew where to take them because they haven't been there themselves. So when I give you these questions, two things I want you to think about. Could I answer them? He said, well, where would I learn the answers? What was the Great Commission? Jesus says, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Every one of these questions I give Jesus answers in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Every one of them. So here we go. New Christian, baby. How do I know that I'm saved? First thing that happens to a new Christian, they don't have time to go in. First thing that happens to a new Christian, two days later, the enemy says, that was emotional, nothing happened. Their friends say, that's foolishness. In a second, your life was changed. Your sins are forgiven for a lifetime. That's ridiculous. Next, what does it really mean to be a Christ follower? Is Jesus really God? Hello, Mormons. Hello, Jehovah Witness at their door. Can I understand the Bible? You gave me this new believer's Bible. What do I do with it? How do you read and study it? Where do I start? How will I be able to obey God? What happens when I sin as a new believer? Can I be, like, forgiven? How will God help me with my fears? Is it okay to have doubts? Who is this thing I hear about called the Holy Spirit? What is that? Does the Holy Spirit have some part in my life? And what would that look like? I hear Christians say, God spoke to me. How would I recognize his voice? Does God still speak today? How do I know what to do in this situation? I got two job offers tomorrow. I've been out of work. I'm a new Christian. How do I know which one to take? You couldn't say to them, well, let me give you a deep understanding of the will of God. Huh? They just want to know, how do I make decisions? You prayed for me a moment ago in the altar counseling room. Should I pray? How do I do that? 
How often do I do that? Should I go to church? How often? I'd like to hear you answer that sucker right there. I would. What are these classes 101 through the 701? What is that about? If you can't answer that, then you don't understand what the discipleship process at the moment is at this campus. It's varied in many ways, but the 101 to 701 are simply discipling classes for a year or two, short little seconds to go to. Get to one of them. Start. Can I expect trouble in my life? How would you explain that to a new believer? And here's the big one. What should I tell my friends now that I've become a believer? I'm already being made fun of. What should I tell them? If you stood at the start of this service, if you stood, you're a Christian more than one year, every single one of you should be able to answer every single question simply. No excuses. If you can't, then you need to learn how to. You see, from your own personal experience, and from your word, and from the word that's taught here and all of our services, no matter who's teaching, you cannot just be hearers. You have to be doers. You have to absorb it so that it eventually transforms you. God's design is that every believer mature to a point where he or she can teach others. That's the cycle. We should not only answer them, but walk with them so they can see what walking after Jesus looks like. A disciple is a lifelong learner under discipline. Let me ask you to write this down, learner. Before we can be useful in teaching others, we must be learners. You can't have a new baby teaching a new baby what to do. So you and I take this information that we learn, a real disciple, you apply it in your life, and the person that's going to be teaching is a person that personally has learned themselves by obeying, by going, by doing, by praying, by witnessing, by serving, by loving. It's not mental. It's simply a lifestyle. Now, many of us, you're doing fantastic. You're involved in small groups, and you're teaching one another, and you're the one-on-one, and you're men's and women's groups. You're doing fantastic. I think the elders and the pastors are doing great. But I want to challenge all of us that are doing that. When I get to the end of my life, I want to achieve all that God has for me. This is not a place to sit. I've taught on this subject before in different ways, but I put it aside, and I spent this week with God many times waking up in the middle of the night, at least 30 hours, so this would be fresh to me, so it would be fresh to you. You, if you're a mature disciple, there's more that God wants to do in your life. Don't sit. None of you have become like him. I'll guarantee you that already. I haven't either. Far from it. But I want to be. I want that zeal and that passion. Second, under discipline. There is no real learning without submitting ourselves to God. You know, in our world, we don't like that word discipline because discipline requires obedience. We're kind of into instantaneous. There's no instant discipleship. There's no instant fruit. I want to challenge you to just be what Jesus wants you to be. Now, I'm going to give you something very quickly. You say, well, Pastor Mark, what is a, I, I like to judge myself, kind of look at myself, evaluate myself. What does a disciple look like? 
What's a disciple look like? Here we are. A disciple continues in God's word. A disciple is fruitful. A disciple continues to be more like Jesus. A disciple denies himself in order to follow Jesus. A disciple shares the gospel. A disciple helps to make other disciples. That's a sampling of who we are. Godly success is never related to the number of parking spaces. It's not related to the number of square feet. It's not related to the number of programs or the number of people sitting here in our services. No, godly success is measured by the number of growing disciples and their involvement of new believers becoming disciples. And godly success is our pastors and elders growing a step ahead, not better, a step ahead so we can lead you to a place that we've been to. If I've not been there, I can't lead you to it. I want to be there. I want God to direct me to do that. The world is confused. You say, well, Pastor Mark, why the passion about this? Every single person in our world is traveling the road of life. Some with Christ, some without Christ. Tons of people, billions of people. There's a great Christian song that Harvest Church does. It's called The Road to Nowhere. They're traveling the roads of life. They don't have God. It's a road to nowhere. Every road, King Solomon said that he went down, money, success, business, corporate success, sex, fame, education, buildings, homes, every single road Solomon went down, he said it was a dead end. There's no life in a dead end. Now, it's not only the frustration of these people that think when they get there, that's success. But if they don't have God, the end of that life is a place called hell, where our friends, our relatives, our co-workers will be separated from God forever. My friends, they need role models. They need godly men and women that love the lost and are able to step up and be involved in their lives. Many of you are doing that. Fantastic. Don't lose the zeal for the lost. What does the world need? (laughs) The world needs you and I to win, disciple, and send. This is the goal for every single person who's traveling the road of life. Now, I'm going to ask you a very deep question as I close. Very deep, so get ready. Put your thinking cap on. What does it mean to follow Jesus? You follow Jesus. What does it mean to follow Jesus? Follow Jesus. What's that look like? Hello. Who's leading? Jesus. If that's you, you following closely or far away? When Peter got in trouble, he was following from afar. Christian, disciple, get close, be in relationship, and follow your Lord and Master. That's what it's all about. Where does that lead to? Heaven forever, where you want to go and where I want to go. We're so glad you joined us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. During this unusual time in our world's history, we want to reassure you of your Creator's love for you. God is still on the throne and is fully in control of your life and of what's happening in the world around you. We also want to let you know that Calvary Chapel Melbourne is continuing to offer church every Saturday evening and Sunday morning, and you're invited to join us. Though we can't be physically present with one another, we do still want to connect with you. 
Join Pastor Mark this weekend on Facebook, YouTube, Roku, and at calvaryccm.com forward slash live. Services will begin streaming at 6 p.m. on Saturday and 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. on Sunday. You can find out more at our website. Again, that's calvaryccm.com. We look forward to worshiping with you virtually and hopefully soon in person. If you'd like to explore more teachings from Pastor Mark in this series right now, you'll also find them online, along with more information about the church and this ministry. Would you do us a favor? Would you be praying for Pastor Mark and the Calvary Chapel Melbourne staff during this time? We appreciate you lifting us up to the Lord. Please pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ across the nation too. This is a great way to support one another when we can't be in each other's company. That's all we have time for today. Join Pastor Mark next time to continue studying through the powerful Word of God right here on Lessons for Living. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.